the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. I'm proud to have as my co-host Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money, one of California's fastest growing mortgage investment firms. Um, And for those of you new to our show, imagine a few guys sitting around a bar having drinks without the drinks, talking business with you, the audience listening in. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. You're going to use that number to answer the trivia questions for three tanning certificates given away during this show. And those certificates are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella uh, Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. And today's uh, trivial, trivial, trivia theme. It is is, trivial. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's what trivia means. Uh, General legal concepts. All right. Hmm. Our website is bestofinvesting.com. Check us out on television, Comcast Channel 26 and AT&T. Channel 99, Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 3.30 p.m. Now, today's special guest is Michael Snurley to answer questions about cyber insurance. Michael, welcome to The Best of Investing. Thanks for having me, Edward. Mm -hmm. So one might wonder, why would we be talking about cyber insurance or cyber liability insurance on a Best of Investing show? And the the reason for that is, is if you're an individual or you're particularly a business owner and you haven't heard of cyber liability, well, it's a... It's a really big deal nowadays, isn't it, uh, Michael? Yeah, definitely. Of, of all the s- commercial coverages that we're writing, we are seeing the largest market share growth in cyber coverage just because you're, you're, you're seeing a lot more claims and you're seeing a lot more people become educated about some of the risks involved with cyber liability. So, let's, so what exactly is cyber liability and how does cyber liability insurance work? So cyber liability is actually not the best name for it. Cyber makes you think of maybe 90s computers and things like that. Cyborg. Yeah, so it even (laughs) sounds a little bit outdated. Really what it's about is network security and data privacy. So all companies are legally obligated to maintain the privacy of client data, of so personally identifiable information with respect to their clients, personal health information, so... There's a lot of HIPAA compliance. So cyber responds in cases in which data uh, that was meant to be private has been compromised, and uh, it responds to cover some of the fees and charges that, that a company might incur because of that breach. So what are the most cyber liability claims uh, that we have today? Well, I mean, in the news, uh, Yahoo has had a pretty massive breach of over a billion names, of a billion users wow. having their uh, box just had a really big one. And so then there was the Target breach from a couple years ago, oh, yeah. which was massive. So those are big ones that make the paper. But like for a smaller business, like for example, you know, my company, Pacific Private Money, um, we're mortgage brokers. And there's 
thousands of mortgage brokers in California, and we handle people's tax returns, and we're, we, you know, we usually save that information. We get, we get emails with attachments. We save that information to our, um, to our servers, so we're handling social security numbers, credit scores, that type of stuff. What, uh, what type of cyber liability issues do companies like mine need to concern ourselves with? I would say the two main things that you would need to keep in mind first would be uh, a malicious attack, maybe by a hacker or someone from the outside who breaks into your network and now has access to different files that you wanted to keep private. So now that's how, why how would they how would they know that it's being breached? Uh, you typically don't know until after the fact, unless you have mm. a really on the ball IT department. Um, there are some hospitals that have such high levels of security that they, if they even assume that there's a breach, they will shut a computer down and kind of alert the IT folks to respond immediately to what may have been a breach from one computer. So unfortunately, it's, it's often not discovered until after the fact, until they're, you know, say with Target, enough customers call in and say, why is my credit being checked? Or, you know, why is why are my credit numbers going down and why are these charges? And well, then they can trace it back to the this, this single source. Yeah, I was going to say, because in general, these people are, are having issues and they not may not even they didn't know what happened with Target until like enough people happened to get it traced. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, so so one I mean, that's actually one aspect of the coverage is yeah. the the detection so uh, one of the ways that cyber coverage has evolved is that they have brought in some of these, uh, the ability to detect potential breaches. So if you think you may have been breached, cyber liability can respond with some coverage before a breach because they'll come in and because and, and, they want to mitigate loss. And, sure. and if they think there could potentially be a breach, they want to know it as soon as possible. So even before there's a quote unquote loss, which is a very key insurance term, Cyber liability is unique in that you can get coverage to respond before even a quote-unquote loss because of the desire to detect these breaches. So can companies get cyber liability coverage by itself? And the reason I ask that is because I know that we have cyber liability coverage, but it's attached to my errors and omissions, my brokerage errors and omissions yeah. policy. It's kind of added on to it, but that's a really expensive policy. And I know that, that not all mortgage brokers, for example, carry what's called E&O insurance. But, so can you get it by itself? Yes, you can. It's, you can get it monoline, but it, with certain industries, they want it connected. They won't right one without the other so for you because you have so much personally identifiable information yes. and such valuable personally identifiable information um, they're going to want to connect an errors and omissions policy with the cyber policy you also see this with companies who write software who develop websites because an error and omission in their part could lead to a breach and so the the errors and omissions coverage and the cyber liability coverage are so closely connected that they want to write them together but certainly um the Anybody can get cyber because really everybody has a data privacy exposure. They do. Well, it's, if you're selling anything and you're collecting credit card information, now, would that typically be a standalone cyber yes. coverage that that company would get? For the retail, yeah, because they, they don't necessarily have the professional exposure that yeah. you would have. Mm -hmm. 
but they certainly have the exposure for the data privacy. And that's the first question I asked the lemonade stand with the kids. I said, let me see your cyber liability insurance, because before I pay cash, I want to find that out. Right. Okay. Hey, guys, we're going to cut to a, uh, our first commercial break here. Before we do, we have a quick mention. Hey, guess what? At New George's in San Rafael, uh, you can go for um, New Year's Eve. They're having a special um, free champagne toast for patrons. Now, they cost $30 at the door. Hmm. Uh, excuse me. $30 in advance, $35 at the door. You go to uh, Brown Paper Tickets, uh, type in Reggae, N-Y-E, and they're going to have uh, all kinds of all kinds of things. Rasta Inity Tour. I'm not even sure what that is. Higher Logic, Hotbox Records, Chris Ward, MCIN Peters, um, and that's going to be December 31st at New George's, and it starts at 9 p.m. and goes all the way to 3 a.m. You do have to be 21 years or older, so check that out at New George's in San Rafael. Okay, here is our first commercial break. Again, we're talking um, general legal concepts, and Michael, if you know the answer, don't say it yet. We'll let you answer when you come back. Which founding father defended the English soldiers who were indicted for the Boston Massacre? And we're going to give to the first three callers uh, those tanning certificates. Uh, call 888-912-1190 to answer this question. Which founding father defended the English soldiers who were indicted for the Boston Massacre? Don't touch that dial. The Best of Investing is going to be right back. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf. Here is our first trivia question. Which founding father defended the English soldiers who were indicted for the Boston Massacre? Mm. Anyone know that? I wrote down John Adams. That is correct. <laughs> uh, you Good knew guess. he was an attorney, and then he went back to normalcy, uh, being a farmer. And... Uh, we are we're, before we go back to our guests for just a minute. I, I do want to make a quick mention here for whether you're uh, a local or entertaining visitors. Check out the new Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square for 360 degree views that are out of this world. I've been there. The food is fantastic, and you really do get 360 degrees. That's at the Hilton uh, San Francisco Union Square, and especially going around Christmas time, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Mark, you want to reintroduce our guest? Yes, we're uh, we're talking with Michael Snearly of Pro Insurance, uh, based in Novato, right here in Marin County, the Bay Area, and we're talking cyber liability and cyber insurance. And off the air, Michael, you were saying some, uh, telling us some interesting stories about examples of breaches that uh, I thought were pretty interesting. Could you just go over those uh, quickly once again? Because I think our, our uh, you know, business owners uh, might not realize just how exposed we are when we're handling confidential information. Sure, yeah. I mean, there was the target breach that occurred a couple of years ago, big headline news mm -hmm. item. Uh, but I think what people don't really understand about that is that it wasn't primarily Target's fault. Of course, they made the headlines. They're the big name. So they are the ones who had the massive reputation loss because of it. But really, the breach occurred because people were able to hack into the Internet connectivity of the heaters installed by an HVAC vendor who installed these heaters to communicate with them. That you know. is just unbelievable. So that's not very nice either. So the hack came through the HVA system, not directly through their computers or through one of their employees. Right. It came through the HVA system. Then it got into Target and then it spread. And the other thing about That's Target, um, and this is sort of true now with most claims, is they don't expose themselves right away. They don't come in and say, hey, we're in your system. You owe us money. Pay us. You yeah. know, and we want this or that. They go in and they sit in there for as long as they can undetected. Mm. 
because then, you know, like Edward's oh, question yeah. about being detected, they're not detected. No one knows. No one, no one has been paying attention. And it, uh, it can be very valuable for them to mine this information over months and months and months and years even sometimes before it gets detected. Um, as opposed to just going in and kind of making a quick grab and saying, pay us all this money right away. Um, and so that's what they did. So, uh, when you say pay all this money, you're talking about the hackers going to target, yeah, yeah, like cyber extortion. Yeah. That can happen sometimes. And it mm. certainly happens to smaller businesses, uh, that they tend to target small businesses where they'll come in, they'll hack into the network. They'll say, we're in here. We have all of your data and we're keeping it until you pay us $10,000. Or we're going to shut down your entire system. You're not going to be able to use your uh, website. No one's going to be able to order from your website. You're going to make zero sales on your website until you pay us. Get chills. (laughs) $50,000, right? And then uh, so it becomes a cyber extortion event, which is also a cyber exposure. You had mentioned also an example of someone sending an email out, like an innocent email, maybe an inner office email. That's correct. Yeah. The the first hint is don't hit reply all. Yeah. (laughs) Or be careful who's on there. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, one third, I think people don't realize that one third of all cyber claims are innocent related to an employee's honest mistake where maybe they are typing into the two box and it auto populates a name they didn't want. They might think they're sending it to you, Mark. They that type happens in, to me I, that, all I, the time. I, yeah, I think too. I'm sending it to Edward and it's going yeah. to another Edward. And it's like, yeah, oops. Exactly. And sometimes and if, it's very embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And if it's and then if you've already attached very sensitive documents, uh, that is considered a cyber breach and, wow. and the law expects you to respond as if, uh, you know, making sure you're taking all precautions necessary to cover yourself. I mean, what, com- do you, what do you do once it's out there? Do you just, you know, have to send an email that says, oh, please disregard it was meant for somebody else? I mean, you know, that only helps so much. Sure, you can mitigate um, and and try to make sure, you know, the, and by various means that maybe they don't open or they don't see it or get their word or get them to sign something. But the truth <laughs> is you you need to walk through the protocol of a breach, and that is all outlined by the federal government. Wow. By the state government. And uh, it's not cheap because it requires written notification. It requires you setting up a call center for people to monitor their credit. And, you know, that's just that's wild. And and how much does this insurance cost? Yeah. Speaking of costly responses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the premium entry level premium on this is going to be around twenty five hundred dollars a year. And for the twenty five hundred dollars a year, you're getting. A million dollars worth of coverage, and that million dollars covers things like the call center, like the notification wow. costs, uh, like the lawyers that you might have to hire if you are sued because of the breach. Um, and then it, and then it goes up from that there. That actually surprises me. That I mean, it's funny. I'm very cost conscious on stuff, but that actually doesn't sound like it's that expensive, relatively speaking. You know, I there's mean, not a lot of examples of what I would call cheap insurance, but that, yeah, that is cheap insurance. Yeah, relatively yeah. speaking. Relatively I mean, speaking. You know, I, yeah. I know you have to be, I mean, I, I know it's all based on claims and all this kind of stuff, and, and who knows, maybe over time, you know, unfortunately, maybe it'll go up. But, um, you know, but I mean, because when you hear of the, the breaches that happen, I mean, it's really large, like, you know, the target or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So what they look at, what drives uh, the cyber liability premium, first of all, they, they do want to make sure you have some good practices in place with your network. 
Okay. So that can bring your premium down. But then they also want to see your exposure. So if you've got a massive, if you're a mortgage broker with a massive amount of revenue, mm. that's good that you have obviously increased exposure. We all wish. Room. Yeah. <laughs> so the more you grow, the more you pay. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's the, so how, how do people get in touch with you if they want to know inf- more information about uh, cyber insurance? Also, you're, you're a commercial lines specialist, so it's not just cyber liability, but it's workers comp. It's general liability. It's the professional liability, mm-hmm. uh, commercial auto, umbrella, all that stuff. We have access to all, all the things that if you're a small business owner, you absolutely, if you don't already have, and, and certainly if you have, you, you know, might be worth your while to, to check out but, a compete. It's like yeah. a competitive quote. Yeah, but absolutely. You're, the, you're, the, you're the first one who actually I've, uh, talk to who actually does have the cyber liability insurance. I mean, because I know a lot of people who you know do workers' comp and all that, but that that topic hasn't come up. Yeah. So and how do I, people, I, yeah. Go ahead. How, how do, do people, people get, get a hold of you? Yeah. Feel free to call me on my office line, which is four one five two two three five five four nine. Or you can email me at michael.snurley at proinsurance.com. And so that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot S-N-E-A-R-L-Y at proinsurance.com. Can they find you on your website, proinsurance.com? Yeah, that's you, if it goes through the website, it can get filtered through yeah. and uh, definitely make its way to to me there. Just um, just be careful of the personal information you put on. Oh, no, wait, wait you already yeah, handled the site. Covered. I'm sure you covered. covered, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a policy, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to discuss not only this coverage, but any other coverage that might be on your mind. Have you had any interesting claims yet, Michael? You know, it's interesting. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. And uh, I think there's a claim that I've been exposed to or, see, or heard about um, in which it picks up a lot of the different things that we've talked about. A hacker a gr- or a group of hackers uh, made their way into a network they did not reveal themselves for quite some time. Their sole purpose for getting into the network was to observe the way emails got written and sent. That they, they were there to observe the way the boss asked for money. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily directly malicious. It just it's not directly. They're just observing. They're observing. Wow. They're observing. And they're waiting for the proper time. And what they're also observing is maybe travel plans and you know, mm-hmm. um, no one so, people are away. Exactly. So yeah. what they this this claim, this these these hackers were able to determine that the owner wanted to buy art for a remodel project that he was doing, that he was going to Australia for the purpose to buy art, and they knew when his plane left. So that's hmm. so they hacked. They're they're in yeah. there. So they know the plane leaves LAX at ten o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. At ten o five, they send an email and that says, "Hey, my plane's about to leave." But I just saw some art I want to buy. Wire $150,000 to this account. Oh, wow. And he signs it the same way the boss signs it, like, you know, with a lowercase j. He doesn't say thanks, right? It's just, it looks exactly as if it's coming from the boss. And they wire the $150,000. So they they actually made a second request. He said, I just found another great piece. Now it's in $350,000. <laughs> and it was at the third request when the bank account was almost empty. They said, if we send this, it's going to empty out the bank account. And uh, so we can't do it. And then they went and checked with CFO and then got a hold of him and found out. He was like, I never sent any of those requests. Oh, my. Oh, can you imagine your stomach dropping on that one? Oh, we got to go to our next. Okay. Yeah, we got to go. Especially after that question. Oh, or at that point. Okay. Here's our second trivia question here. What is the Latin term for buyer beware? 
All right. The first uh, three callers with the correct answer is going to win a free Tan Bella certificate. Good for three tanning services. Call 888-912-1190 to answer that question. What is the Latin term for buyer beware? Don't touch that dial because when we come back, we've got some very interesting things to talk about with Mark Hoff about uh, the fund and a deal of the week and a special email question about interest rates going up. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf. Here was our second trivia question. What is the Latin term for buyer beware? Anybody? Michael, another one? Caveat emptor. That's right. I learned yes. that from the Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> okay. You're not well. Uh, well, I'm sorry. It's... Listen, I, I, I get most of my education from television, unfortunately. I get all mine uh, from SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You were older than that. That's true. Family guy. You're older than that, too. You're supposed to say, I love Lucy. Okay. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to just come right in and ask you, deal of the week. So you're going to have to give a little bit of background. Right. So for case you're a new listener. My name is Mark Hoff. I'm president and broker of Pacific Private Money. We are a regional marketplace lender. Uh, that's the fancy new name for hard money lender, private money lender. That's that right? uh, you know, yeah, okay. yeah. If you go to any fintech conferences now, they talk about marketplace lenders. So we're okay. a regional marketplace lender. We do short-term loans to people who can't get bank financing for whatever reason. Typically, it's speed. It's not that they can't get bank financing. Mm-hmm. It's that they need a loan to close quickly, sometimes within a week or two weeks. And most banks nowadays, thanks to all the Dodd-Frank regulations can't respond that quickly. So we're in the business of fast, reliable financing. We're kind of the plan B when plan A, which is conventional financing, is not an option. And so here's an example that we're working on this week that is not uh, too atypical. So this is a guy that had a lease option to buy a place that he's been renting for several years. Now, a lot of people got into lease options at or near the bottom of the market. Uh, and that's what this gentleman Smart. did. 2012, he entered into a lease option to buy this home for $570,000. And he w- is now uh, at a point where he is ready to exercise his option. And the appraisal came in for that property at $900,000. Wow. And so this is a situation where now at Pacific Private Money, like most um, alternative uh, lenders, we generally don't do 100% acquisition financing. We don't even typically do 80%. Most of us in this business uh, um, are more conservative. Uh, We're fast and reliable, but we're generally a little bit more conservative on the loan to value or LTV as we call it. And so we generally uh, limit our LTV exposure to 70% of uh, the purchase price or the market value in situations where you're buying an off-market property. In other words, it's not listed on the multiple listing service. So here's clearly an off-market opportunity. He's going to exercise his option to buy the property for $570 thousand dollars but if it were to go on the market today according to an appraiser it would sell for nine hundred thousand dollars so in this situation we are actually processing an application to do a hundred percent financing of the purchase price at 570 because when you look at the relationship between five hundred seventy thousand and the appraisal you're actually below our 70 percent threshold now is he going to be able to afford the mortgage payments well he can and we and okay. we apps and that's one of the requirements where, it, where we need to determine that he has the ability to afford the monthly payments on on our deal. So we're actually providing him a bridge loan to acquire the property because a bank would not buy, would not give him financing at a hundred percent for this. uh, And then he's going to pay us off afterwards. But here's the interesting rub is that the guy called us to see if he would qualify and if we would do the loan, but he's not ready to close yet 
because the seller is suing him trying to get out of the contract. He Based on, because I don't want to. Because it's <laughs> appraised in value so much, he feels well, that's like... okay. We, we don't have to honor contracts anymore, do we? Yeah. You know, I took an options <laughs> class one time, and the, and the teacher said, always try to get options, but never give, give them. Give exactly. Yeah, and, that's, yeah. and here's a situation yeah. where the seller is now, you know, had no idea that the market was going to recover as well as it's done in the last four but, years. And so, but, and, and here's the case where the, where the option E, the buyer is, has yeah, a great but I'm opportunity. Kinda, I'm kind of curious as to what basis besides, I mean, just like what legal basis does the seller he has? Have? No, the seller's going to lose. So, he, so the, the, the buyer can, you know, can sue back for specific, specific performance, performance, but yeah. the seller's basically saying, no, I'm not going to do it. So the buyer <laughs> actually has to sue him to, to exercise it. So, well, so probably what it'll do is it'll say that since there's no, uh, uh, breach of contract uh, damages, punitive damages. It's going to, Mr. Buyer, it's going to cost you fifty to $100,000 to sue me to do specific performance that you can't recover. So give me, you know, $60,000 and, and I'll sell to you, something like that. I, well, I bet you that's going to It'll happen. be interesting to see what happens. But uh, anyway, it was a good example in our pipeline. We've got a lot of uh, uh, different deals like that, but that was uh, the, the deal of the week. Well, okay, so here's another deal of the week that, I had heard about from someone in your uh, company was that someone wanted to buy this property and uh, fix it up and then flip it. And unfortunately it was posted on Facebook. Like, Hey, look at this great property I'm buying that at a good value that I'm going to invest in and flip it in, in two months uh, or three months, whatever the figure. And the bank was surfing the web and found that and said, well, wait a minute, we didn't, I, I, they probably didn't it. find it. It's that the banks nowadays, when you do a, a loan application, they Google you, they yeah, check your yeah. Facebook and LinkedIn profiles. And in this case, they saw on Facebook, the applicant was going to flip the property, but he represented to the bank that he was buying it for a longer term hold. And yeah. the bank wasn't interested in a short fast, short term payoff property. So, Interesting. Yeah. So isn't that, isn't that cool? So you got be careful what you say on Facebook, because even your bank now, your mortgage broker is, is watching. Yeah. Now, you don't care if it's a short-term loan. No, we don't. We actually specialize in short-term loans. You could pay us. All our loans have no prepayment penalty. You can pay us back in six days, six weeks, six months, but six not minutes. six years. Okay. <laughs> not six years. Yeah. yeah, most of our loans are for 12 months. We do, uh, uh, from time to time, make 18, 24, sometimes even 36-month loans. But 36, that would be considered a long-term loan for us. We like short-term lending. Why do we like short-term lending? Because I feel comfortable with the marketplace over the next yeah. 24 months. I'm less comfortable beyond that. I don't know when the next correction is. I don't know how severe the next correction is. And because I lend private capital, I like to be able to say to my investors who I'm paying through my fund, my the Pacific Private Money Fund right now, we're paying just a tick under 8%. I, you know, a lot of them are nervous about the market. And I say, you don't need to worry about the fund performance because we make short-term loans and yeah. the, because we make short-term loans and real estate doesn't move that quickly. Even when the market was going down in 2008, nine and 10, we were making loans and getting them paid back successfully. We did not foreclose on many loans at all back then because people were, you could, you could buy fix and flip property or make short-term bridge loans and get conventional financing within a six to 12 month window. And there isn't going to be a huge movement in real estate, either up or down. Well, I'd be a little nervous too, if a borrower said, well, you know what, I'm going to need this loan for about 10 years because it's going to take me that long to get my credit up or something. Yeah, I, mean, right. I mean, the kind of uh, well, money that people are borrowing from you, generally bridge loan financing, they don't want to keep it long term. That's exactly right. So our, our rates average between nine and 10%. Uh, it, it kind of 
depends on the the borrower profile, the credit score, um, you know what they how much they need the money for, and whether there's going to be cross collateral. Um, but uh, for more information on Bridge Financing, uh, check us out. We've got uh, our fourth generation website just launched at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Got a lot of information there. We'd be happy to share that with you. Whether you're interested in, uh, you might be a realtor or a mortgage broker, and you have a client who's stuck in a transaction all of a sudden. We're famous for rescuing transactions here in the Bay Area. We're one of the, and we're one of the only private money lenders who will do consumer home loans, owner occupied. We do owner occupied financing, where nine out of ten do not because they're not properly licensed and too lazy to go out and get their NMLS. <laughs> uh, we have all our NMLS. So anyway, PacificPrivateMoney.com or call us at four one five eight eight three twenty one fifty. And every once in a while, I'll run into a realtor or another banker who says, "You know what? I know your comp. I know that company, and they have a very good reputation. So I'm I'm proud to have you as my co-host. As I introduced you before, thank you. We're known for we're fast, friendly, and reliable. That's what we're known for. FFR. Okay, uh, here's our third trivia question. Which state has authorized the use of a firing squad as a primary means of execution? And they should do this for those hackers that uh, Michael Snurley was talking about, in my humble opinion. That's right. Call 888-912-1190 to answer that question. Don't touch that dial. The Best of Investing is going to be right back. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf and our special guest, Michael Snurley. Uh, third trivia question was, which state has authorized the use of a firing squad as a primary means of execution? Texas. That's what I would have thought. Kentucky. You, no. Utah. Yes. Very <laughs> Utah. good. All right. How do you, how do you know that, huh, Michael? I'm, I'm pretty good at these trivia things. Yeah, are you? Okay. Yeah. Jeopardy guy. Good. Yeah, right. All right. So, uh, Mark, we do have an email from a listener. It says, if it appears that interest rates, it's funny, this was done, I guess, just, just before the interest rates did go up. Yep. It says, it appears that interest rates may go up with the new administration. How will that affect your fund? Oh, it's a fun question here. I thought it was going to say how, how it will affect your business. So um, I, I alluded to our fund in the last segment uh, at Pacific Private Money, where we do short-term bridge loans and other type of financing for those who can't get bank financing readily. Um, we fund all of those loans with private capital. So we have a fund that is the source of the majority of capital that we use uh, for our loans here at Pacific Private Money. And that fund uh, is currently paying, uh, well, last year it paid about uh, 8.2% on a distributed uh, annualized yield with monthly distributions of that interest income. This year it's been down a little bit. We've had a little bit of rate compression, and we've been doing more 9% loans than, say, 10% loans. And so that's brought the yield down to about 7.75 on average. Um, And But now here we've got short-term interest rates have gone up a quarter percent, a small tick in December, and they're uh, promising more in 2017. But um, short-term rates and long-term rates uh, don't typically correlate. So um, the long-term rates on mortgages are probably going to have already kind of factored in um, the pricing there. Um, Short-term rates, uh, as they go up, uh, as the prime goes up, ultimately, um, we will see rates on the private lending side, on the private money side, go up too. But I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Uh, To give you some perspective, uh, 10, 15 years ago, if you went to a private money lender, or most of them were called hard money back then, pricing was generally at prime plus 5%. And when prime was, say, you know, 7%, it wasn't unusual to see a 12% quote. Uh, When it was 8%, they were quoting 13%. Uh, That doesn't really 
uh, fly today um, because at uh, with a prime at around what three and a half were um, you know not a lot of uh, guys are lending at eight and a half. I mean you can get eight and a half percent money, but generally it's going to be between closer to, to nine and ten. Um, and as short-term rates go up, our ability to raise our, our private lending rates are going to be largely, I think, driven by competition because now what's happening is you've got hundreds of companies that have come into the marketplace uh, and, uh, and that we're competing with. And so our ability to raise rates is going to be, I think, limited to what the competitors do. So I'm really not, I, I really, I don't, I'm not trying to predict when our fund is going to be paying higher rates. And quite frankly, 8% is a great rate. I mean, you know, where where are you getting eight percent for a um, a fund that doesn't require a long term commitment? We just recently reduced our lockup period from two years down to one year, so now okay. we only mm-hmm. and one year is actually the minimum that's required by the SEC for funds like the Pacific Private Money Fund. So oh, we're okay. at the minimum one year lockout, meaning that uh, I mean you can get your money out, but we just uh, we're going to have a three percent redemption fee if you take it out in sooner than twelve months. Otherwise, if you keep it in for at least a year, there's no there's no load or no fee going in or out. So we're not asking asking for a long-term commitment that's a fairly and the fund's fairly liquid so when you've had it in for a year and you want out uh, we process redemptions fairly regularly because our, our loans are constantly paying off well the other thing is you 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 pay a high rate of return without the use of leverage and the average weighted loan to value in the fund is is 55 percent so we've no, got a very well secured uh, fund right now 55 percent weighted average loan to value of the fund uh, of the loans in the portfolio so we've got that just means we've got some 70%, but we've got some 25%. So it's a weighted average okay, there. So f- okay, so here's an honest question. Because your LTV is so low, do you actually go to bed at night hoping all the loans go bad? <laughs> so the fund would profit from uh, loans that we would foreclose on. In fact, we did foreclose on a loan that's on the market right now, and it's probably not going to sell during the holidays, but uh, we already pretty much know what it's going to minimally sell for, and that's going to result in a, in a nice, tidy little profit for the fund and the fund shareholders. So the fund profits from those loans that it forecloses on, assuming that we've done our homework correctly and that there's equity in the property, sufficient equity. So when the original loan was supposed to pay, what, 9% or 10%? Yeah, I think it was a 10% loan-ish. And if you get to sell it for what you think you're going to sell it for... Would, I don't know if you figured that out yet, what the rate of return would be. It's it's going to likely be close to 20% annualized on that, Whoa. On that loan. Yeah, so for, oh, it's, that's pretty it's, significant. Yeah, we made the loan exactly a year ago. And so it'll be about 13 months into the loan. Uh, when, by the time we sell it, we're going to get all the interest and we're going to get uh, um, a nice little... Uh, um, nice little exit fee, as they call it in the business. So, so anyway, so for more information about that, uh, again, go to PacificPrivateMoney.com uh, or call us and at 415-883-2150. We got a lot of great material. We can shoot you via email, via PDF, and, uh, um, and check it out. Uh, it, I think everybody who's a saver these days really should be looking at mortgage investing, uh, as we like to call it here, as a means to boost the yield that you earn on your savings and retirement accounts. And funds like the Pacific Private Money Fund are great opportunities for you to uh, put some of your IRA money in there. Uh, again, you know, hey, the stock market's been doing great, but yeah. and, and, and we're, we're starting to, you know, it's poking at 20,000. But you know, is now the time to buy? 
You know, how, how, how excited I, I are you about it going up to 25,000? No, but 000? you know, it's I one of those know. things. Well, it's, it's one of those things where you, you don't put all your eggs in that basket. Exactly you don't put right. all your eggs yeah. in your basket. Yeah. You just kind of have a well-rounded. Right. I'm not beating stocks. I'm just saying, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's been a good run last six months, but you know, so, so again, if you, if you have anxiety about that and you're looking for alternatives, um, you should be considering mortgage investing and, and give us uh, give us a look at uh, well, again, Pacific no matter what the, yeah, whether the stock market's going up or down, your fund is a good alternative to round out a portfolio anyway, just for diversification. Diversification. There that's what go. it's all about. Hey, I got another you know, question yeah. for, for Michael here. One of the things, you know, when you had sent me an email about what you do, Michael, you had said that it, uh, uh, it might be interesting to talk about how, in your opinion, how insurance is a social good and that there's a correlation between insurance saturation, to use your word, and the strength of the economy. What did you mean by that? That sounded really intriguing. Yeah, I think uh, often when we talk about insurance with people, their first reaction is to think about how it affects them. They don't need insurance because it, it wouldn't affect me. But the truth is we're not just buying insurance for ourselves. We're buying insurance for other people as well. So if I'm not just buying insurance for myself and driving my car, I'm driving. I'm buying insurance for myself and all the people who might be affected by a bad decision that I make or might be affected by a slippery spot on the road. Or life insurance, I'm not buying for me, I'm buying it for my heirs. <laughs> exactly. So that's why it's a social good. And I mean, I think to, to tag along on a current event would be the Oakland Fire, right? I mean, here you have this tragic event mm-hmm. that has occurred. And, you know, if there's not any insurance there, then... Because the person might think to themselves, well, why do I need insurance that, that, you know, here we, here we are, we're just in this warehouse and, and there's no, there's no need for it. But when there's a tragedy, it's for the sake of the other people. It's not just for your sake. It's not for you to only recoup your cost. It's for you to be able to uh, indemnify, which is a very good insurance term to make whole, to provide some means of, of, um, remuneration back to folks who've suffered because of, you, you know, your negligence or bad decisions you've made. So that's that's sort of the, the idea mm. of it being a social good. You're buying it for the sake of other people. And I know that I sleep very well buying lots and lots of insurance. <laughs> In fact, you know, you, you know, between the umbrella policies and all the other policies that I have, it's I, I think it's a really good idea to, to load up on insurance. And relatively speaking, it's 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 not that expensive. To, it's really not well because you're 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 bringing in the value of the legal representation you have too. Yeah, so when exactly. you factor that in with not only the availability of this claims money, then it's a really high value investment. All right, guys, uh, we're going to cut to our last commercial break here, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap this thing up with our thoughts of the day and a few more uh, tidbits. Okay, stay with us. You're listening to the best of investing. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf and our special guest, Michael Snurley. Now, Michael, you do have a question for Mark. Yeah, Mark, I was wondering if there is a minimum investment requirement to take part in your fund. Yeah, there is. It's it's $50,000 is the minimum investment. Uh, and again, we talked about a 12-month minimum investment period. And the third requirement is that you need to be an accredited investor. And the definition of being accredited is that you have a net worth of at least $1 million, not including the equity in your home, or you make $200,000 a year minimum if you're single, 300000 if you're married. So there is a qualification. And again, that's not us. It's the government in there. Um, you know, in their zeal to protect uh, consumers, uh, make that a requirement for us. So for more information, again, go to PacificPrivateMoney.com. 
com. Michael, I also want to let you finish up on your story about how uh, insurance um, is is kind of a public good and that there's this relationship between uh, insurance and the strength of an economy. Yeah, if we were to divide up economies between first world, second world, and third world, I think you would also see a correlation between insurance saturation in those economies. So the first world economies are going to have the greatest insurance saturation among individuals and among companies second world or emerging economies like maybe we i would put brazil in there yeah. you would see less insurance saturation but certainly a fairly large rate and then with um the third world kind of economies you're going to see the least amount of insurance saturation is some of that a cultural thing or i i understand the economics you know people say well why would i waste money on insurance but is there is there some some cultures that just don't believe in it sure i mean i think it's cultural but really what it's tied to is the, is a legal system so insurance oh, requires a stable legal system and where there's not a stable legal system then insurance really falters and so uh, you know all of those factors are tied in and and going back to insurance being a social good if you're a distributor and you have a major loss Insurance is going to allow you to get back up on your feet and to be able to provide the service you would have provided had there been no loss really as soon as possible, possibly the next day. So everybody Uh using you as a distributor, everybody purchasing from you maintains their business. But if you're in a culture where there is no, you know, a strong insurance environment and that distributor suffers a loss, then everybody loses. The suppliers lose, the distributor obviously loses, and the purchasers and, you know, the retail on the back end they also lose. So everybody loses. So this one loss here creates a domino effect of everybody losing, whereas when there's insurance saturation, the one loss really can be almost undetected because of the speed and uh, rate at which. See, that kind of insurance I can appreciate. It's the ones that you have to like worry about getting sued from attorneys for something silly. You know, I mean, I guess in theory, like malpractice insurance is run amok for, yeah like plastic surgeons and stuff but sure. but like you know business interruption insurance absolutely which is what you're talking about I, I can actually see that being a social good a- absolutely yeah. because it's for the other people so yeah um and and you know that i think that is one reason why i feel so good about what i do on a yeah. daily basis is that i see uh that it really does serve a purpose within our society and culture to keep uh our economy moving and keep it strong hmm Insurance as a public good. See, that's one way to think about it as you're writing that check. All right. And uh, again, Michael, how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk about the, you know, either the cyber insurance uh, or ask you questions or, or look at the uh, public good of insurance? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that anytime. Uh, the best way is to call me on my uh, office line, which is 415-223-5549. Again, 415-223-5549. Five five four nine. And Mark, since you're paying such a high rate of return on your fund, there's probably some people out there listening who would say, you know, I'd like more information. If you need money fast, or if you have money, and I hope all of you out there are saving money and you want to put a portion of that into a high interest yielding real estate mortgage secured fund and to get more information about how that works, uh, call us at 415-883- 2150 or just go to our website pacificprivatemoney.com which by the way i actually unbeknownst to mark actually pulled some preliminary title report done property profiles as they call it and found out that yes indeed he really does you know have uh, secured deeds of trust on the properties that he does so it's not just taking his word for it i like that i can sleep better at night that and the insurance okay right. here's our thoughts for the day american songwriter quirky Siegel said, 
Life is too important to take seriously. I like that. And American author and professor of biochemistry, Isaac Asimov, said, The saddest part of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. Boy, ain't that the truth. You betcha. All right. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's Business Leader. AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.